Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. Turn your head a bit, look at who's sitting next to you, behind you. And you know what you can say to yourself? It's the Holy Spirit that brought you here tonight. There's there's other places you could have been. But you are here because God made an appointment with you. And so I know something will shift in each and every heart tonight. Uh, Danielle, we just want to honor you leading us in worship with your pregnant belly. I know the air is sometimes not coming out, but let's give Danelle a clap. Yes. We, we worship Jesus and we celebrate you. Okay, is that all right, that balance? Okay, cool. I want to talk tonight about three mountains to climb. Three mountains to climb. I'm going to allow myself tonight to move a little bit more around a concept, be a little bit more topical then being central to one specific scripture in the Bible, just allow myself to hunt down God's heart over a few areas and and see if something can shift in our spirits. It's interesting when when you think about churches or people or even countries where Christianity broke open and people turned to Jesus and put their faith in him. They always had these names of people that had, I don't have a better word for it, but a higher vision. They were excellent in faith. You'd have a man that would, you know, uh, what's his name that wrote the song? I mentioned it last week um, or two weeks ago. Uh, it is well with my soul. What's his name? Horatio. Um Spafford. Yes, Horatio. You know, you got a man, you know, his family goes ahead of him on a boat because their house burned down, moving from, I think they went from America to, to the UK. And everyone in his family dies. They want a different boat. And then he writes a song. It says, it is well with my soul. And the song breaks open and still today, I mean, you put it on, People cry because an excellent man chose God when his circumstances fell apart. And there's three areas I'd like us to focus on today and ask God to lead us to a higher vision, choosing him above other things and putting things in its place. It's when Christian people, I like this one writer, he says, when we live questionable lives in a good sense, where people get saved, because like, why are you different? Why do you do that? Why did you and your wife decide to do this and not that? Why, why? Because God leads his people to do things that raises questions. It's out of his world. It does not make sense, because the kingdom works differently. When you give, you are more blessed, and that doesn't make sense for maths. When you serve others, you feel loved and blessed. I mean, how does that work? And so it's the kind of lives that God is inviting us to. We're going to focus on three areas, what you have, who you have, and what he has made you to be. And then we're really going to zone in on that. 
One or two things before I jump into this. I'm going to use a few examples that does not do this topic justice, but it helps our mind to get there, so bear with me. One of the things that can happen in the life of a disciple is that the Spirit leads you into his wisdom. Okay? He, he takes you into the wisdom of God. Scripture says you are seated with God in heavenly places. There's a, there's a source, there's a wisdom that's broken up for you when you are in Christ. And it allows you to put things in its place. It allows you to look with vision at life and know how things fit. But let me just use a very, very simple example. This is a true story. Starbucks, who knows Starbucks? Sells coffee, right? They get it at the back after the service. Starbucks sells coffee. About 10 years ago, a little bit more than 10 years ago, they decided to sell teddy bears. Okay, teddy bears, I don't know, maybe goes with coffee or chocolate or something. They made a few sales, first few months, and then their turnover dropped dramatically into an emergency state. And they realized, we are not called to make teddy bears. We make coffee. We make the best coffee. And so they chucked the teddy bears, focused on coffee, and they made their money back. Okay. Now, now, it's an example, of, it's a, just an example of business, but leaders are required to have vision and see what's going on. Now, we're going to move to spiritual things, but just one or two more natural examples. Let's say, for example, you've got a company in Secunda selling toilet paper, four-ply, okay? You're the only people in the, in the town that sells four-ply, and there's little puppies on there or something. Everyone loves it, so everyone comes to your shop, and they load their whole truck with toilet paper, right? And one day, the people decide, you know what? Getting and carrying toilet paper is hard work. We need the fridge here and stock it with Coke, okay? So they get a fridge to put Coke in there, so the people come, they get their... 100 batches of toilet paper, and they buy Cokes. And then the Coke run out. You take a few weeks holiday, you leave the person in charge here, and you get phone calls from people coming to collect toilet paper. The shop is closed. When you figure it out, you realize that the, the person you left in charge, in charge left for Joburg to go and buy Coke because they got it for one rand cheaper per bottle. All right. Now, we laugh at this. But when it comes to spiritual matters, we do the same if we get things in the wrong place. And that's where we're heading to. So, of course, if you're selling toilet paper and you don't have Coke, you leave a Coke. It makes sense compared to business. Now, we're going to tackle a few spiritual stuff, and I need you to be with me tonight so that we can shift things in the place they belong. But my servant Caleb because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land into which he went. So, a lot of spies goes into the land of Canaan to check whether they believe Israel can take over the country. Everyone except two comes back. Everyone says, we can't take this country. These men are too big. It's undoable. We're going to die in there. Let's rather stay in the wilderness and live longer. Two men, Caleb and Joshua. says. Oh, we can take them. Because what they have is the ability to look at what's happening in front of them, look up, and have vision over the situation. 
If God made the people in the country and God said, go into the country, then we can go into the country. It's a simple example, but that's an example of godly vision. They might be big, but God is bigger. And so they bring a report of faith. They said, we can go in. All right? I'm just giving an introduction here. Follow me here. Colossians 3. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, above, like Caleb did. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him. Just tap the person next to you and say, you need a higher vision. Okay? You need a higher vision. Now, I just take this, took this idea of C.S. Lewis and put it in my own words because he puts it in a longer piece. Basically, he says the following. He says, everyone can experience the joy of sunbeams, yet true satisfaction is running up the hill to meet the sun, its source. Okay, listen up. The ability to know who holds everything means that we look past things we hold to the one who made it. Talking about a higher vision. The ability to look above. C.S. Lewis says something, and this is going to put shame on you, okay, and on me. Can I, can I shame us for a moment? Is that okay? There's forgiveness in the name of Jesus. He says, C.S. Lewis, with this in mind, He, said it, he says it breaks his heart when a Christian no longer can see God, listen up, see God in a piece of bread with butter on. The moment, and I did repent about this, I'll give you a moment just now. <laughs> when I have a piece of bread with butter in front of me, who provided that for me? Who made that? Yet I lose the ability to see God through it. To run up the hill to the one who gave me and gave thanks. Maybe I think what other people are eating and I get jealous. Okay. I know it's deep for an introduction. We're going to go places tonight. And it gives us this idea that whatever God gives us, whatever it is, just look at my stand here. Your marriage, we're going to touch on these things. Your income, a blessing from God. There's nothing evil about your income. Please understand that. But whatever it is that you hold in your hand in this world, true worship, and I'm summarizing the sermon in the beginning already, is is being able to look from here to there and do this. Okay? A higher vision so that we can live differently. And people ask, why, why such joy? How can you be happy with that piece of bread and butter? Oh, you don't know. Because I met the maker. <laughs> you know? Something in me is stirring. I'm going to tackle three areas, what you have, 
who you have and who God made you to be. And I'm going to jump between it. Three mountains to climb. Okay, this whole idea of looking at what we have climbing up the mountain to the sun, the source. Are you with me? Okay, let's start with what you have, what God has given you. Genesis 12, 2. And I will make you a great nation. God speaks to Abraham. And I will bless you and make your name great that, so that you may be a blessing. God is the one who blesses the people on the earth, including you. And do you know what? You are blessed. Let me just settle this for a moment. Well, let me just read Genesis 13, 12. Now, Abram was very rich in livestock, silver, and gold. I want to tell you something. You have to take this with faith. What you have is enough. Stop comparing it to anyone else. Okay? God, in his sovereign will, decided what you will have today and that you have and it is enough for you to run up the hill and say thank you for what I have okay he's the one that blesses the people and it is enough a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children, but the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. All I'm trying to say is there's been many movements around the earth. Some churches, money is everything. It's everything, it's everything. If you come to God, you know, swipe your card, you're going to have money in the bank. Rubbish, okay? Um, and then there's been movements. No, 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 no. We must have nothing. We must live somewhere up in the mountain, wear a sackcloth, walk around, and then we're holy. It's, it's not the point that God is trying to make here. We see that wealth is from God. What you have is enough. And we also see in Scripture wisdom around stewardship of finances. Okay? Don't lose me here because we're talking about money. You have to understand this. Now, we know God gives. We know he wants you to steward. Now, this might look like a contradiction, but follow me here. And he said to them, this is Jesus speaking, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Take note. And he told them a parable saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. Now, Look at this. Look at this. You tell me. Here's a tip. Vision on the source of vision in the valley. I will say to my soul, you have ample goods. Laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. At that moment, the man takes everything he has and he puts it in a barn. And he does not tell his stomach there's food to eat. He speaks to his soul. He says, you are sorted. He shifts his vision down to the barn. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one, love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Right. 
key here is not whether money is good or bad. It's a stupid question. The key here is when you look at it, what do you see? What do you see? Because if your monthly pay comes in, and you take it, and as you look through it, your eyes goes up. You settle immediately the way your relationship with money needs to be. Can you see the difference between that and the man that built the barn? The first mountain we need to climb up is we need to run past provision to the provider. Very important. Very important. This will remain a growth barrier. There's many things God gives us. Many things. Friends, family, marriage, your core. Those things are not bad, but if anything, if anything is worshipped, is the idolatry. It's easy to say, what is sin? That's the first thing. Everyone knows, oh, you shouldn't get drunk, or I shouldn't use those substances, or I shouldn't do this or that. It's easy to walk away from initial sin. What is hard is to have a worshipful relationship with the good things in our life. A higher vision. What I have is from you. It is enough. I thank you for it. Help me to deal well. This, in fact, is not mine. Why will I try and catch a sunbeam if I have a sun? That's the heart of Scripture when it comes to God's provision for us. Andy Stanley, pastor from America, says, if you want to know who I am, look at my bank statement, not my Facebook profile. Look at where the provision God gives me goes, then you will know who I am and what I believe. All right? It shows, it reveals my, and I know I'm hard on you guys. Listen, I'm just, this is not about giving money to the church. Please understand me. This is about your worship relationship with God. We're not going to giving to church tonight. That's not the point. What I'm saying is your life will reveal as time goes on, whether your provision is handled with a worshipful relationship on the provider or whether this is your security and your idol. Amen. It's a hard word, but we want to change the town, so we need to be trained. What did I just do with my slides? <laughs> There's a man in this country, I don't have to say his name, he says, I believe there's a God, but no one helped me obtain my wealth. I did it on my own. Scripture says many occasions, swift will be the destruction. <laughs> Let's hold on to what is eternal. How blessed are those who have treasures in heaven. It's got nothing to do of how many treasures you have on earth. You can earn 5,000, 2,000, or many thousands in a month. You can be rich in God. Isn't that amazing? Book of James says, let the humble rejoice in their exaltation. Let the poor rejoice. They have everything. Watch out, rich. 
Watch out, because your temptation is greater to shift down. Focus on that barn. We need a higher vision. We need to see God over our lives. Amen? I hope this challenges you. In Afrikaans this morning we said, we said, Thank you. It's not bad. This is not bad. This is good. Thank you for the means. I mean, I can feed my family and I can help other people. Thank you for this. But please instruct me in your ways. Let my ways and all my ways, including this, reflect my worth is in you. Can we agree on that? And you can figure that out for yourself from here. We're going on. We need to run past provision to our provider. We're going to focus now on community. We focus on what you have, now on who you have. Okay? Just throwing a few ideas out there. John 13, 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. It's very clear to love people is from God. Amen? Agreed? All right. Let's go on. 1 John 4 says the same thing. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. This commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. So it's very clear. We should love one another. We, I mean, we, we know Jesus telling the story of a Samaritan and he says, he tells us this parable of incredible love. We know, we know Jesus wants us to display love towards one another. He even goes on and he says in Matthew 16, he says, you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church. He says, I'm critically and essentially involved in bringing my people together. Not only just love people, but love them in togetherness you know a universal church all around the world and the local church in every building is a place where brothers can exercise love and it's from god okay we get the point but now paul says the following he says in galatians 1 10 for am i now seeking the approval of man or god or am i trying to please man if i was still trying to please man i would not be a servant of christ now it does not contradict at all what we just said but it looks like it he says, I'm not here to please man. All right. The crux lies in this. Where do we look? Where do we look? If I look at you, if I take hold of you, and it happens sometimes in, in, in relationships, sometimes relationships has a, manipulative feel to it it's hot heartbreak what happens out there when i grab onto you as my possession you know when that happens when a married couple and listen up if you're single come to a place where they self-destruct they have lost or never have found the godly grace to look past aubrey 
passed the sun ray on earth to the one who provided him. You see, when I love him, I know he's given me Aubrey as a friend. And so I can love Aubrey with the love he's given me. And it's even okay if he makes mistakes because he's not the one filling me up. It's God. But if I grab onto him, I seek to please him and I'm, and I'm, and I'm checking his phone every minute. Oh, did he WhatsApp that person? And, you know, and I'm grabbing on and I'm losing my vision. Yeah. And even community is something we can grab hold of in a wrong way. The point is, when we look at God, each thing finds its place. If we can run up the sunbeam to the source. Just read with me for a moment. I know I'm jumping around tonight, but we're staying central to the topic. He will wipe away every tear. It's talking about Jesus. The church arrives. It's a marriage. And it says, he will wipe away every tear. From their eyes, death shall no, shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Why will Jesus need to wipe away tears on that final day? Because tears will remain until that final day. It says there shall be no more mourning, nor crying, or pain. So until we get to that day, mourning, crying, pain. Now, if we deal with mourning, crying, pain, and I have nowhere to look, this gets too much for me. This gets too much. So just imagine my wife sitting here because it's going to be awkward. <laughs> but imagine the sunbeams, it's all I have. My only option to survive in this life is to divorce. I cannot deal. I, I, I cannot deal with the pain, the tears both ways that we are causing one another. If I have nowhere to look, where will my help come from? You check the divorce rate in this country. We have butchered community. The family is almost no more. Because we have worshipped what he has given. And not put it in its place. It's here. Very important. He said, I'm making all things new. Because we will not be new. Until that day. Do you agree with me that now? <laughs> Number two. When we love our perfect God first, he enables us to also love our broken community. Sorry for that spelling mistake there. When we love our perfect God first, he enables us to also love our broken communities. Why? Because now suddenly it makes sense that there's brokenness. Suddenly there's an there's a endurance that comes in because I know one day this will be over. But for now, I will draw my strength from you, Lord. And walk the walk with those you have given me. 
So let me just say one or two things that might offend you while I'm doing it tonight. Let me just, let me just be on the roll. What this scripture means is when you look at God in the face of the people he's given you, look at him first, you are able, but not only able, commanded to love people with unthankful hearts. Yes. You are being asked of Jesus to love people with unthankful hearts. How long? Until those hearts become unthankful no more at the end. And what gives you the power to walk in that community is to lift up your eyes. Go past the bread and the butter, okay? Past the relationship to the one who caused you to be in a relationship with those family members. Some of you say, listen, my family, it's like a war zone. It's like someone dropped a bomb there. It is crazy. It sounds about right. Tears, mourning, heartbreak, tiredness, death. One day, it will be no more. Plug into God that he can sustain you to go in there and remain. Of our real family, which we should love and cherish and not push away, and our spiritual family. But not only are you asked to love people with unthankful hearts, let me just set another expectation. You will receive love from people with mixed intentions. The human heart is not capable of being 100% pure. 100% forgiven, yes. 100% redeemed. The love you deal with in this world, in this currency, is always infiltrated with self-interest. In some way or another. That's something hard to chew on. But it's a truth, so let's deal with it in this place. Say, Lord, will you purify our hearts? And so while we deal with people who's unable to love purely, the one who can love purely is in a dynamic relationship with us to help us engage those around us. You need to run up the hill. Don't feel bad now that you know that people are unable to love you with pure intentions because you can't either. Okay? We are all part of a problem. We are made in the image of God. When we are saved, we are being, by God, transformed even more into his likeness. And we are growing, and we, we see ourselves grow in thankfulness. We see lives change. I see lives change in front of me. Every year, I'm like, oh. And so I see the character of Christ coming in you guys, and it, it brings me to tears of joy. But that transformation will only be complete when he comes. So let's walk with one another for the long run. Amen. This should be a great challenge. Something to chew on this week and to pray about. But let's go on. So we started with what you have, then who you have or who you're stuck with. And now, 
your identity or who he made you to be. As each received a gift, use it to serve one another. You know, I have to serve these ungrateful people, you know, as good stewards. In other words, if you are given the ability by God to serve, you are a bad steward if you don't serve. You should find your place, pray about it, let friends help you. We are commanded to be good stewards of our abilities to love and serve and further the kingdom of God. Whoever speaks, that's one who speaks, and then give some examples. One who speaks the oracles of God, whoever serves, that's one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. God is glorified when broken people get busy serving one another. To him belong the glory and dominion forever. Never. Now, let me just tells you what, tell you what this means for me tonight, this morning. Let's start with me, because right now I'm, I'm preaching, I'm practicing right now a gift, a responsibility God gave me. It's not, there's many responsibilities that he gave me that you guys don't get to see. I can be faithful in those at home or not, all right? This is one of them. If we take this idea of focusing beyond what we see onto God, then at this moment, as I'm looking at you, and you guys look beautiful, I have to say, but I need to look to one more beautiful. I need to look beyond. I need to see through this group here and know why I'm doing what I'm doing right now and for whom I'm doing it first and foremost. And it's very important, use me as an example, as a pastor, as a preacher, because where I look will determine the content of my message as time goes on. As time goes on, if I am more focused on what's going on, maybe, you know... I want to preach what people say. I don't want to lose members. Maybe there's people that don't like me to preach certain stuff, and I don't want to lose them. And if I allow my focus to come down and to hold on to what I see here, my message will be polluted to preach what people want to hear, not what God wants to say. Can you see that? If my eyes are on God, it carries me through the difficult times in the congregation because he's sustaining me on the journey. Right. What it means for the band, this is a great example, maybe even better. If the band, I'm saying if, but it's a rhetorical question. If the purpose of the band is to look past those sitting here and look Jesus in the eye, sounds obvious, right? Sounds obvious. I want to ask another question. How many churches puts people on a stage because they can play an instrument but they don't know the Lord? Sorry, this makes me emotional. We have moved. And what that means for us is even if you're not that great with your instrument, but your heart as an instrument 
knows how to walk up the hill and love him. Please lead us in worship. Because the place where your heart moves is the place where we would like hearts to move. Amen? Very important. Cole frustrates me at times, my friend. Because people come into this church and they're great musicians. And Cole says, Lord, Sabiki. <laughs> I want their heart to understand what God wants to do in this place. I joke when I say it frustrates me. With the church, it takes the longest to take people from singing to leading worship. But now I know why. It's important. Carla was singing in the band, I think about eight years, seven years long, backing vocals. Mills, six years. I'm not saying it should always take that long. What I'm saying is the most important things should be the most important things. Worship leaders need to worship God. <laughs> that sounds like simple stuff. It's not. People pay young people with great skills to do this. It's, um, you put a CD on if you don't have people with hearts. And then you sing of the CD. Point made, sorry about that. Let's move to the back of the hall just for a moment for this. She uses this example. Uh, if, God, if God gave you a healthy body and you on this setup team, do you know? Do you know? That if you put this chair where it needs to be, that then today you are walking in what God called you to walk in. And then the next one, the next one, you back a row. But here's the crux, because the, the, the principle stays the same. If you can look past the people that would come and to God, you are getting your reward the moment you put this chair down. No one needs to come to you and say, There's nothing wrong with a culture of celebration. All I'm saying is, as I'm looking and I'm obeying, something shifts in my spirit. And I can pack that chair until I can walk no more if God calls me to. A higher vision, a higher vision. As disciples, we need to lift our face from the stuff we see to God. What determines how you serve is not the people that you serve, but the one commissioned you to serve. Isn't that incredible? And he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers to equip the saints of a ministry for the building up of the body of Christ. I'm just putting it in there. He gives to each one a purpose in some other way. So at the moment, maybe you're a saint that needs to be equipped, that you can do something, or you need to equip other people. If you're new around here, breathe, connect with Jesus. As you grow, you will know and understand where he wants you to serve. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. 
Now, I want to say another thing that's going to get me into trouble. I'm just going to forward the emails to Hanu. Most, most, not all, everything. Most offenses that happens in, let's say, healthy churches, okay? So, no man can be 100% pure. No church can be 100% pure, even us, okay? We should be humble about that. But let's say most offenses, people that have run out of church in relatively healthy churches is because the focus was here and not there. Most. I packed those chairs for five years, not once did someone say thank you. Who did you pack the chairs for? I preach in that congregation. No one brought me malfa pudding in the eight years. Someone has brought me dessert, I'm just saying. <laughs> Not skimping. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Whenever we lose focus, the enemy gets a foothold to get us out, to get us separated. The moment I believe my wife to be my savior is the moment she fails me and it creates distance in my heart. We need to look to God in all relationships. Very important. Give me a church where everyone looks up, there's no offenses, or they are dealt with swiftly. Amen? Now, what happens if we lose this ability to look past what we have to the one that has given us a purpose. If the moment we start to become self-focused, gift-focused, or even people-focused, this is what happened to a very blessed and amazing man, gifted by God. His name is Samson. He awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Now, if you read through Judges, it says every time when Samson kills animal or people, it says the Spirit of God comes upon him. He was always empowered by God. Even from his birth, with his mother consecrating him, God, it was, God was pleased with a man. But he lost the ability to look God in the eye, and he did not even know when God left the building. He was so focused on himself. Somewhere we lose God if we allow our focus to drop here. We need a higher vision. Set your minds on things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Number three. When we bring our service to God first, he fills us that we may serve mankind with a God-given wholeness. I serve you from a place of overflow. I serve you from a place of strength. I get my strength from God, get my purpose from God. Listen, it is incredible to be amongst a group of people like this. Please hear my heart. It's lovely to be tonight hitting that drum or afterwards staying having coffee. But I have to be honest and tell myself, that first and foremost, you are not the reason I'm doing what I'm doing. Because then, if there's 20 people less, it will affect me. 
And if there's 200 people more, then I might think it's me. Okay? He equipped you with beautiful gifts. And he wants to send you full because you are plugged into him. Into this world. Disciples lives differently. And it's visible. What kind of congregation do we want to be? And what kind of disciple do you long to be? There's an invitation tonight to plug into the one who makes everything. Let's wrap this up. Let me just say this, that God came to the valley to reach you. Romans 5 verse 8 says, God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 8 3, for God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, by sending his son, where? from heaven, from the right hand of God, into the flesh, to dwell among us. He came down into our world to condemn sin in the flesh, to pay for you, to pay for me. That's a God we serve. That's just incredible. You know what, one of the, there's so many lies, I mean, the enemy is called the father of lies, but one of the great, the great things is he, keeps on reminding people about their sins and their failures so that they never have the boldness to call on the name of God. Because they think, but how can I call on his name? How can I ask him to come into my life when I've done this, this, and this? Surely he does not want me. I'm telling you, he wants you. And he came down to engage with you. And scripture says, anyone who calls on my name, I will by no means cast away. So God came down to connect with you, to save you. And as you put your faith in him, as you cry out to him, you have the opportunity to look at him all through this life and everything you do and every relationship with everything you have. Hold on to him and allow him to carry you through this life until one day he completes the work of you being made in his image. Beautiful.